with debt migration as a reminder being the ability to move from L1 to L2 um, in one step with your collateral and your escrow um, without having to unstake. And then 255 will be burning of fees. So now that 299 is done, 237 and 255 should be, fingers crossed, the final two SIPs for uh, the V2 system, um, apart from perps, obviously. Anyone want to add anything or discuss V2? Not seeing any mics coming off and no questions. So I'm going to keep rolling over to Noah V3, code freeze. Yep. Uh, we're, we're on track to have uh, V3 core uh, code frozen and sent to the auditors by the end of the day tomorrow. Um, that's pretty much the whole update. Uh, if you look at the commit history and the synthetics V3 repo, you'll see we're really ripping through all the all the details today and tomorrow and um, making a lot of progress. So um, yeah, it'll be exciting. We'll get that off in the audit. Uh, Perps V2 is coming down the pipe and we can start working on all the new markets that we'll roll out with uh, V3 once everything's through audit. The, the code freeze will not um, affect liquidation. Like uh, there was this um, small uh, item that uh, maybe I raised uh, maybe in a private channel uh, but I didn't follow up with it. Sorry, I didn't have uh, lost track of it. So, so does it is it affected by the code freeze? Um, yeah. So I, I think to to implement, unless um, why why don't we schedule a time to talk either tomorrow or next week if we want to make that modification early next week? I don't think it would be a huge deal. Um, if if I was following what you were what what the suggestion was, so. Um, yeah, it, it, w it won't be out of the question to make a change like that after we get it over the line. But um, I, I appreciate the reminder. Let's let's set up a time to chat. Sure. I should probably have backtracked on uh, V2, assuming there's no other V3 questions, um, that there are progressive updates to uh, atomic swap parameters, obviously, as the council, you saw those coming through. So that is a work in progress. Yeah, I can, <clears throat> I can provide a, an, an idea on what the plan is. So um, hopefully, like maybe next week, we're planning to do the following. Um, switch the Uniswap uh, uh, V3 pool to the five basis point. Uh, on, on the um, direct integration with one inch. Then we have to, we, we're, we're planning to uh, lower fees to five basis points gradually, like proposing to lower fees, of course. And uh, we have uh, to wait for Curve to implement um, uh, changes to the parameters of the pools where they're lowering fees as well to two basis points on each uh, pool as even SUSD as well as adjust the amplification factor on the SUSD pool. Hopefully, with these changes, it would um, make atomic swaps a lot more competitive than what they are now. David, can you give some pointers on how to interpret um, Gunboats's 
uh, atomic observation chart just because I don't necessarily which one so I don't know which I'll... one you're referring to because Gumboat has like I've... plenty of charts yeah I've dropped the link in a cool chat okay so which the first one you mean yeah that one specifically just so for tracking over time so, so yeah the the question is that uh what's the question exactly <laughs> so you know in july we have the massive spike in blue yeah. and yeah the correspondence in my mind there is blue like light blue equal bad dark blue equals good light blue but is just, good no or my, no dark blue dark blue is good dark blue is good you're right yeah so just noticing today that the uh, light blue has surpassed the dark blue again. Uh, yeah, it's, it's okay, you know. Like um, there is no, there is no light blue. That's bad today. Like you know, um, well, light blue is like they're not going through one inch, right? That's that's what uh, light blue means. And we did lower the um, uh, fees a bit on. Uh, uh the ones with fear reclamation i don't know if they go into the light blue i'm not sure i don't think they are but but even light blue right now um it's okay uh, it's not not uh not detrimental to us that I'm, I'm kind of uh surprised there is that much to be honest uh but this is count i think three what, what's three it's not like three million huh or $19 million. I don't think we had $19 million today. So if it's a count of transactions, I'm not sure even like, the, the, maybe the chart needs uh, needs adjustment because fo I'm, I'm following kind of the, uh, the um, uh, transactions that are taking place on the chain now. And I can tell you with full confidence that uh, all, most, most of the trades are, uh, uh, not uh, that are going through through one inch and respecting the path. So there's like one trade of hundred thousand dollars every week, maybe that's uh, light blue. But I I think the chart needs to be like looked at more closely. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. So that should be a wrap for V2 and V3. Perps deploying to testnet this week and audit on track complete next week. Fief, did you want to add anything? Um, no, now that you're already installed, it's on here. Cool. And finally, <laughs> <laughs> and finally the uh staking v2 ui which some of you may have tried already later this week becomes the default interface and working on the v2 to v3 migration ui and i think that wraps up work in progress the council any specific questions about that otherwise we can probably move to general discussion or sips
there was like the question of um, um, in general discussion in the general discussion category uh, lowering the collateralization ratio so I guess um, with the votes I see on uh, snapshots we don't have the votes the necessary votes to move forward with it there's like four four no's so it's kind of defeated um, that said uh, um, I don't know if the council wants to like give an opinion on why they think they why they voted no like uh, it wasn't maybe mentioned anywhere maybe Cassette wrote a note there you know but the rest like uh, didn't give give their opinion on it I, I think the last call I was pretty vocal about my thinking about it. So yeah, yeah, that's... true. I did read. Uh, you, you wrote you you wrote the most about it actually. Uh, my reasoning was um, the disparity between L one and L two, um, wanting to approach the problem from a different angle, rather than increasingly raising the C ratio, without necessarily taking that into an account into account. So, so what what uh, what Gauntlet is trying to do is like trying to raise the network network health, and uh, they can only do so with so so many parameters that they chose collateralization ratio based on their models. And I understand that um, by raising network health, we're costing L two stakers uh, money because L two has to like front the money to 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 raise their C ratio. Um, I mean, it's it's a decision. It's a not an easy decision that you guys have to make, but um, it's an important one. At two hundred seventy-five or two hundred fifty percent. Today, I asked them to um, look into data on the impact of raising the liquidation threshold as an alternative. Ah, okay, that was asked. All right, I didn't. Yeah, that's what I was going to say that um, after um, I think it was you who had mentioned the idea of uh, very slowly, step by step, raising the yeah, yeah, liquidation threshold, awesome, you know, yeah, that would be awesome. If they yeah. can raise liquidation threshold and penalty hand in hand, you know, that would uh, allow us to kind of compensate whoever takes on that and at the same time clear, clear whatever. Um, I, um, legacy that we have thanking yeah i think it's it's a little difficult because i don't want to just um you know penalize people who are underwater arbitrarily but at some point we kind of have to figure are these uh underwater l1 stakers um especially people who are close to 150 percent or 160 percent who are just above liquidation um are they ever planning to come back or have they just abandoned the position anyway um, some of them might even have assets and be able to pay back and are just deciding not to because they've, uh, you know, discounted the uh, um, the price of their future position and just decided to abandon it and, and not uh, come and add their liquidity to the network. So um, I think, yeah, for me, if, if we raise the C ratio, that's also penalizing people who are um, at or at least near the current target C ratio without giving them anything in uh, in return, making it more difficult for them. So 
if we have to go after somebody, maybe people who seem to have abandoned their positions already might be the people to go after. Just paraphrasing the thief, he thinks a C ratio should be a million. Yeah, for SNX, he doesn't, uh, he makes a good point. It's very hard to um, borrow money with a volatile asset like SNX. Yeah, but we've done it right up to 28, and now we're back to 1.75 or 8 or whatever. Yeah. Imagine the guys that got liquidated uh, on the way down. It's it's not um, not ideal, but but yeah, like yeah, yeah It's I'm not sure like it only as the next is down ninety nine percent. Most of the uh, most most of everything went down ninety nine percent. I would imagine a few people got liquidated with ETH loans too when the price went down so much. So it's not out of order, I suppose. All right, that was the only general topic I had in mind. Um, if no other... Raised uh... today, or possibly yesterday, there was um, some queries about how incentives are going to be approached as we move forward, but with ETH being brought to the table as um, an asset with which SUSD can be minted. I think some people are looking forward to the, the time at which... A SIP is written or begins being drafted that covers the role of SNX going forward. So I don't know where the CCs stand on that regarding, I mean, I do know in a, to a certain extent, but it's a question that's probably going to come up more frequently. So we may want to start discussing, discussing it as a group more actively in the channels. Would you like to start that SEP, Tara? I think you'd be the man for the job. I also think Bag makes an interesting point in the GovCall chat that you know we shouldn't raise it too much, the liquidation ratio, because we don't really want to nuke, nuke people as he says it. <laughs> so I, I think that's, that's somewhat of a considerate view that we should be taking of stickers. I think I requested from Gauntlet something like 5% increments. Yeah, I, I think personally I would be fine with uh, somewhat of a buffer between the liquidation ratio and the uh, you know penalties. I think that that's my personal take on it. I mean, <clears throat> I'll play devil's advocate. I don't see there being a reason not to nuke people, right? Like I, I get we want to be kind to stakers, but at the same time, the health of the protocol is kind of main concern here and we should focus on whatever numbers are best for the health of this ecosystem and if that results in people's positions being blown out they have warning and time to adjust and if they don't that is you know the impact uh the unintended unintended casualties of making sure the system has health and it's their responsibility to manage that it's not this council's responsibility to be babysitting somebody's collateral position yeah, I, I think you missed uh, last time's discussion, maybe. So we, we were talking about, you know, what the what a holistic approach towards risk means. And when, when you're talking about the network, 
or two thirds of it is struggling on L1 at uh, 280% or so. So maybe we should uh, think about this a little more. I will, I will say this, Nana, about the, um, the penalty. I think, I think what you have to consider is that if we assume that maybe some of the people on L1, um, that aren't paying down their positions and just unstaking and selling their, uh, synthetics, but rather just, uh, letting them, you know, risk liquidation, um, if we assume some of these people might have assets, that would mean that the people who have these possession, uh, these positions are actually discounting their escrowed SNX, um, enough that they don't think it's worthwhile to pay down the position and maintain it so that they can sell that SNX a year from now. Um, so I think that to me actually shows that even with the liquidation penalty where it is, um, it's it's actually probably too low because what we're doing is we're taking um, escrowed SNX that L1 stakers are saying isn't worth maintaining and preventing from being liquidated and passing it off to um, stakers that do have healthy positions. Um, yeah, there's, so there's it, like this implied price out there of staked SNX. And right now, what a lot of the L1 system is telling us is that that price is significantly uh, lower. It's a huge delta between spot SNX that's available right now because they don't see it as worthwhile to capture that future earnings based on whatever time value money equation they are looking at. Um, so there's this implicit value that we're seeing is not sufficient and will continue to deteriorate if they just allow all of these loans to go into bad debt. So yeah, there's a balance of risk management and not wanting to harm stakers. But stakers are actively telling us that they do not value the incentive outcomes that are supposed to protect our system. So we need to make sure that those are properly aligned. Uh, I'm not sure where we're getting at. Are we, are we suggesting to increase the penalty more? Uh, what What I'm saying is, um, yeah, that I think I think there's evidence that the penalty is already too low, and if we're increasing the um, if we're increasing the liquidation threshold, keeping the penalty lower so that we, uh, you know, pass along less SNX to the stakers that have to take on this debt, um, I think would be would be unfair to the stakers taking on the debt. And what we're getting uh, in exchange for passing on less SNX to the stakers that have to take on this debt is we allow these trade uh, these people who have abandoned their positions to maybe have some dust left in their wallet. Um, and we're, I don't really see any evidence that if we leave some dust in their wallet, that they'll be interested in the position after that. Um, you know, I'm not really sure. I mean, what the thinking is because last time these increases were 50% and hundred percent respectively. So, I mean, this, these are like drastic changes that, uh, even if it's being suggested, I, I, I don't agree with it at all. I mean, I would fully advocate for over time getting to the point where your liquidation penalty is 100%. If you can't responsibly use a system, you blow out, other people take on that responsibility. Exact same kind of thing that we see in leveraged exchanges. Not something we should do overnight, but I don't think it's outlandish to suggest that if you're blowing out debt and having people have to take that on on your behalf with bad risk management and putting their capital at risk, that that should be the maximum possible penalty. 
I mean, it is uh, like effectively a hundred percent of everything that you have left after after paying your debt, uh, right? Um, at this point, so that's kind of what I'm suggesting we we leave it at. Uh, I I think uh, if we're going to raise the liquidation threshold, we should just move the um, move the penalty up in in kind, right? And uh, would someone outside the system view SNX as a positive thing to do? I mean, would they come and stake when they have such high penalties? Well, everyone, did I get disconnected or is it just silence? I, I still hear you. <laughs> Great. I think the silence was the answer. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because I, I heard you ask the question and nobody answered it. So, so uh, the uh, moving on, if, uh, if uh, time permits, if everyone's okay with it, uh, from... The situation on the liquidations and C ratio. To we have two set presentations that were suggested by uh, Millie, but uh, I don't think we gave. Um, we were like given the opportunity to read the SIPs and go over them. That said, they are they seem to be simple SIPs, you know, and it all depends on the council if you want to take it up uh, today, or would you prefer that we schedule it till. Uh, Tuesday or next Thursday. Um, the SIPs uh, numbers, what were the SIPs numbers, Mili? Can you please um, uh, share them in the chat? All right, 290 and 291. Thank you, Tara. So do you guys want to go over them today or next week? It's up to you, you know. Like normally I would have said I need a day at least to eat them. But it's up to the council to decide. Uh, one of them in particular relates to um, a topic that will be relevant prior to next epoch, should it pass. So I'm willing to hear it now due to the need to, to get it done quickly. If it does screen, go ahead. Need to hear them today, but could we give like a little bit of time between putting it up for a vote? Um, to, like read again and ask questions. Yeah, if Millie could maybe present them and then start threads for them both. That might be the most prudent course. Yeah, so one of them is very straightforward. Um, simple, very simple. I, I doubt you guys would need a lot of time to think about this one. Um, it's SIP 290. 
essentially all it is is um, little, a small change to our organizational flow on um, on our GitHub. Uh, currently, we have uh, a bunch of different um, status headers for uh, the types of SIPs um, that are proposed. So we have, um, let me just take a look exactly. We have draft, we have um, implemented, we have uh, feasibility, uh, we have um, vote pending, rejected, um, and approved. But we don't have sort of a workflow for SIPs that have been uh, implemented, but haven't been, um, but are now like deprecated over time. They're either replaced with new SIPs or they just, uh, we've moved away from uh, using them. So I, it just, all it is is uh, SIP 290 is just to introduce a new header on GitHub where uh, for SIPs that are no longer applicable and they're moved to um, deprecated status. So that would apply to basically a lot of like the fees, you know, like for different um, markets, some of the fees are um, like, they've obviously been updated. Caleb like throws in new fees regularly. So like the old ones will just move to deprecated and it would just be pretty clear uh, from the GitHub page um, or from our SIPs page, you know, which, uh, which parameters are no longer, you know, um, are no longer applicable and which parameters are, are, are in use. So it would apply to like basically everything, uh, even like governance, anything that is no longer, um, was once approved, but is no longer used would, you know, you could change the header to deprecate it. Who decides when a um, SIP has sufficiently ceased to be relevant that it can be deprecated? So the way I propose in the SIP, it would be only if there's a um, if there's an upgrade that uh, a protocol or governance upgrade that uh, renders it deprecated. So, for example, like for fees, if there's a new the market fee changes, then that SIP would just automatically you know you as you introduce a new SIP, you just make that market um, you the original. Sorry, if you make a new SCCP, you'd make the original SCCP for the fee market uh, deprecated. Um, so anytime there's a governance or, or you know a protocol upgrade that you know changes the a SIP, uh, the old one would be uh, deprecated. Could you make it so that it's like listed in the SIP or SCCP which one it is intended to deprecate or supersede? Maybe that's already what it's like. If I write, so I didn't word that exactly. I just worded that you know an upgrade that would, you know, render it. Um, I think right now it would be really difficult to do that. But if we had this um, structure in place, it would be a lot easier to look and say like I intend to deprecate this SECP, but with this one by making the whatever fee this um, might make it more obvious so I, I would just say that like probably just be in the hands of whoever the SIP editors to do it um like it, it's mainly like organizational thing so like a SIP that it's already deprecated you're just changing the name of it i mean you're just changing the header to deprecate it because like you, you could go look through a, a ton of our SIPs a lot of them are deprecated right on the mm -hmm. implement section yeah for sure so, like we can't really make a SIP for each one of them to just go and deprecate it like you know i think it just make more sense that over time you know, the SIP editors, whoever has that rule, would just, you know, uh, basically just change it. 
right? And there's nothing stopping them from right now from uh, just changing stuff, right? But like, this is just a formal way to do it. Just for reference, we've had one deprecation in the past that was the um, vote dilution. So there is a, like, we could add the actual new category to the same process that was taken in that context, whereby there was a deprecation SIP created. Um, and within that SIP, the existing SIPs that it applied to was listed. And then I suppose it would be a matter of going to those SIPs and moving those into the new deprecated category. Just to clarify, it's your intention that when a deprecation takes place, a SIP is is created that proposes that deprecation, or is it merely just um, a housekeeping task? I would say I would just keep it as a housekeeping task, you know. That's what I would say. Because it is deprecated, like when you upgrade a fee, that old fees, like whether you like it or not, it's deprecated, right? So like creating a SIP to say, oh, now it is deprecated. Like it's implicit in the new SIP that, that you know, or, or the SCCP that that is deprecated, right? So and in my opinion, judging, it's just a housekeeping. Judging by the conversation going on in GovCulture, I'm not sure we have quite 100% participation in this SIPs discussion right now. Yeah, I mean, it's not really um, a significant one. The next one is, uh, is, is a lot more interesting. Um, I noticed Mike is not here. Um, he had some questions. So let me just ping him. Um, Millie, do you not think it's fine to just say, like, within the SCCP, which is probably the most relevant, like, within the SCCP that you're writing to update a fee to also list I mean, it's fine if it isn't always ever like to also list which one you intend to deprecate because then, like, the voting is already sort of like it's yeah, explicit, I guess you could, I could right? Like, like I, if you really want that, I can I can put it. You know, I don't see it makes a difference. I think that might or, make like, it. I, I just more want to push back. The writer, so like, where but... I would push back is if we want to do that for every single SIP that is that we'd want to deprecate right now, right? Because there is like two hundred and something SIPs, two hundred ninety. SIPs, if we're going to start, you know, if we have to push a SIP for each one of those old ones to be deprecated, um, that are already deprecated, it just mm. doesn't make sense, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could do it, one, to cover all of those deprecation of non-applicable SIPs, and then from here on, because a deprecation is only going to take place when something is superseded by a SIP that is passed, that will allow us to include reference to the deprecation in any such circumstances. Yeah, sure. That, okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think it will be annoying initially, but... Yeah, just it will require one pass-through in order to catch everything, and then hopefully from then on, it's obvious that something is being changed. Um, Deprecation should be relatively simple. Uh, the only kind of uh, point at which it might become more complex is where you have 
um, SIPs that are combining changes where one aspect of the SIP has been deprecated by the passing of a new SIP, but the other aspect of it remains integral. Oh, oh yeah, so something like uh, Schrodinger's cat, you know, dead and alive at the same time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like re realistically, like it it would only in in those cases, then the the part of the SIP is still active, so it wouldn't be deprecated, right? It would still remain implemented. This would only be uh, SIPs that are like completely obsolete. Okay. Uh, I, okay. In that circumstance, it's a partial deprecation by a change. I still think it would be useful within the past the SIP that is being passed to have reference to to where the change. It's being applied. Right. And I think that is pretty much common practice now. Like we, um, people, like when someone does make a SIP or a CP, they do cite like previous SIPs in it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, SIPs are probably more, more important in terms of tracking changes because SCCPs are expected to be changing regularly. SIPs are more commonly seen as being cumulative. Okay, so the recommendation is to put in the SIP that um, any SIP that's to be deprecated would require a SIP specifying it or essentially, right? Um, whereas like the SIP template has within it the ability to have deprecations and then if that deprecation deprecates the entirety of a pre-existing SIP or SCCP then that pre-existing SCCP or SIP is moved to the deprecated section that way you're covering partial and total deprecations so what sorry what would exactly would happen when something's partially um, only partially deprecated so the uh, the SIP wouldn't move, but the SIP that is passed would have reference to the deprecation within the SIP being passed. Ah, uh, interesting. Okay. Um, hmm. So do you, you would because, want that because part you're, of well, well, you've just know. I think you said previously that if a SIP is only partially deprecated, it wouldn't be moved to the deprecated section. And just so that we can track what aspects of a prior SIP have been deprecated within the passing SIP that doesn't move that deprecated SIP to the next section. It allows us more easily to track changes. But, sure. Yeah, but, OK, I could include that um, in the SIP. All right, if there's uh, no other questions, we can move on to SIP 291. That's um, more significant uh, in nature. Uh, I see Mike still hasn't joined. He had some questions. Um, that's okay, I could probably field the uh, DMs later. All right, uh, so SIP 291 is a structural change to um, the governance body, uh, namely essentially 
is to replace um, the ambassador council, but it's not going to be directly replacing the ambassador council. It's just um, a full a different workflow and structure. Um, so here's the main issue that I had noticed. Um, I reached out to several people to, you know, um, invite them to come on and participate in our elections as ambassadors. Some notable uh, ecosystem like players, uh, people who are notable de delegates and other protocols. And I got a couple of types of feedback on it. Um, one of them was that uh, kind of the, the, and this is my fault essentially, the ambassador mandate um, was a bit constrictive in how people could uh, contribute. And if I recall, you know, this was to create Kane's credit, one of his critiques of the initial ambassador mandate, the KPI based mandate was that, you know, um, what happens if uh, someone new comes in and don't want to sort of like adhere to that? Um, my answer at the time was that like, you know, oh, well, they could propose a new SCP to change it and, you know, this and that. Uh, but, it, you know, the problem is that like people don't want to just come in with like, and their first contribution, like to change a SIP and to add a new um, sort of, make some sort of like, you know, administrative change, you know, um, to do it. They would rather just come in and test it out and see how it goes and then, you know, move from there. And also like to change, you know, to put this much overhead on governance to like, you know, for every small change um, to go to the, the Spartan Council was also one of the, um, you know, the points that Kane raised that, uh, you know, would be problematic and bring too much overhead. Um, and so he ended up being right. Uh, you know, in both those cases, like, for example, the KPI-based mandate right now is a bit narrow. Um, and if we want to expand it, we'd have to, you know, propose a new SIP. And essentially, you know, we would have to, like, change these, you know, to change these things. But the, the reality is that, like, we could just do those things, right? And that's what Kane was saying initially, that we could just do these things and just self-report it, which is what we're doing, essentially, right? Um, so like, for, for example, like a lot of the stuff Gumbos is doing uh, regards to the NFT quests, um, some of these dashboards you're writing, like, you know, these are things that like are not part of the mandate, but they're valuable all the same. Um, so they're important, like for, for, you know, for they're useful for the DAO, but like they don't fall within like um, within the mandate. So he's not really getting uh, credit for it um, in terms of like the KPIs, right? Like it's not like, you know, he's not getting compensated. It's just that like in terms of the KPIs, it's not getting cited. Um, so the KPIs, you know, like the scope is starting to get narrow, more and more narrow over time. And then there's other examples, like, you know, um, I participate in like a lot of governance calls, you know, um, I try to, you know, sit on like almost all of the ones that are, you know, relevant to synthetics um, outside of, you know, in other, um, for other protocols like Hop, uh, Euler, Across, Optimism, um, Gearbox, like, you know, as many as I can. Um, so like, you know, these obviously don't act, are, you know, aren't included. There's a lot of work that Kevin does as an ambassador that's not like captured there. So, you know, uh, realistically, like the, the, the scope of it, like is sort of narrowing down. And the initial idea behind the KPI mandate was to also have um, some transparency and accountability. The transparency part is good, but like, I feel like SNX, we've done such a good job of like um, documenting everything we do and keeping track of everything we do that like it becomes a bit redundant. Um, that like we you know we t we adhere to this like mandate for um you know for token holder uh, sake the sake of transparency for token holders but you know it's already getting like reported anyway everything we do right um and then there's another aspect to all this which was um 
the fact like the name ambassadors and ambassador council, um, like if you imagine a brand ambassador uh, for, you know, in traditional terms, you think of someone who's like, you know, constantly shilling a certain brand, like, you know, um, essentially has like a sort of two sorts of connotations to it. One is political in nature and bureaucratic, which is like an ambassador role, like for like a, a government to another government. And then there's like, you know, the brand sort of ambassador, like shilling, uh, you know, a brand all the time or all constantly repping it. Um, so I think, you know, the one problem there is like, I don't have issue with that. The problem is that like for bringing in like new talent, um, diverse talent from other places that are like reputable, they kind of maybe don't want to start off with, by just like shilling, you know, synthetics or being associated with just like being a shill. And they kind of don't want to take on a really political bureaucratic role either. So like it just, it's not that that is what we do. It's just that it gives that idea to them and it sort of deters them from contributing. So like when I, you know, pitch the ambassadors to, you know, notable delegates in the, in the ecosystem in DeFi, they kind of, you know, hit me back with like, oh, well, I don't know. Like, you know, like they, like they don't really want to hear bureaucratic role, like a political role, and they don't really want to be like a shill, but like they can still contribute in so many ways that could be helpful. Right. Um, so like, you know, I just want to like reduce that barrier to, and, you know, make it clear that it's not that. And what we do is mainly focus right now is focus around integrations. Um, you know, we basically entertain like every protocol that reaches out to us, every project that has some decent idea that's just not like just spamming or like coming up with something ridiculous. You know, we bring them into our discord, we hear them out, uh, hear their pitch, you know, take calls with them. And if there are, you know, something that's interesting, we escalate it out, out to like, you know, um, either Rafa or maybe Mike or, or wherever. And, and, you know, they take it from there. Um, and then there's many cases where like, you know, these integrations actually bear fruit over the long term. Like a good example is a uh, hop, you know, initially we brought, I brought hop on for, uh, for a Spartan, uh, it wasn't a Spartan space, it was Spartan town hall back then in discord, um, like in 20, end of 2021. And, you know, now we're, we're integrated with them, right? We have uh, SNX as collateral. We're, we're governance participants in their, protocol we're one of the major delegates we have a lot of hop delegated to us the same goes for across uh same goes for gearbox um we're major delegates there they're you know their token is going live very soon um and euler is also the same thing so like uh you know there's a lot of and these all these relationships start from like you know us just um you know beginning a channel of communications with them um and there's many more right and there's like really good ones coming up like a beefy integration which is completely independent of uh essentially like any synthetics um party except for us um and potentially in the future like if it turns out to be good uh, maybe the treasury could incentivize what, what we're doing but we're essentially like you know coming up with this vault which takes se uh se loans and deposits it in curve um and sort of you know increases the synth supply in a very scalable way uh that doesn't put strain on the debt pool and so like, you know, this is completely independent of any, any CCs or anything, you know, synthetics is just like, you know, building on open source code and we're sort of like, we initiated this. Um, so yeah, so like we, we know we need a lot of, we want people to come in understanding that this is what we're doing and not just like, you know, shilling SNX on Twitter or like, um, you know, being a really political role where they have to do, take like a political position. So like, that's really the main um, idea around introducing this new type of, um, work group a new like a full different like name essentially what the ambassadors will be doing like um like next epoch if we uh like elected to these roles again it'd be the same things that we're doing now um it just would uh, not be adhering to like this mandate which is kind of you know getting narrow and more and more narrow in scope as we you know change what we do and um 
and yeah, and just like being allowing more contributors to get involved. Um, so like, we really want, like, I personally really want someone that, um, ha like so people that are like in code, um, to, to be open to running for these positions, people who are, you know, technically savvy to come run for these positions. So like, you know, just opening the door to anyone that wants to get involved and not just like, you know, a lot of community members uh, that are like just in discord coming in, uh, participating. So that's kind of the idea behind it. It's very noble that uh, the five current ambassadors have apparently opened the door to people to replace them. Well, the reality is we're not all going to always be serving, right? Like, um, so we want to keep this, and then I decided this in the SIP, um, like we want to ossify synthetic governance such that it represents a DAO, a proper DAO, right? Um, and not like some business that like exists, like, you know, with a, uh, in traditional sense right and we want to really make sure that it's like it can live on forever um in a way that you know makes sense and doesn't like um you know hinder its growth over time and it's and it's just a reality right that we won't all be you know ambassadors forever so can you give not, um an example of a potential ambassador that fits in with this new group schema. Sorry, come again. Could you, uh, could you, could you provide a hypothetical um, of a person who would fit in? Yeah, under definitely. This okay. new so like, definition? Sure. So, like, um, there's the there's GFX Labs, which is essentially they participate in governance for several projects. Um, we like you know our initial like um, contact with them was when we made a proposal to Uniswap to introduce a one basis, uh, one one bit pool on Optimism, and you know they we were looking for uh, essentially um, a way to get two million Uni to delegate it to be able to propose this uh, because to be able to propose a proposal uh, like be able to deploy a proposal on Uniswap you need to have two million Uni delegated to your wallet. So, you know, we, we were exploring different ways to do, do it, um, to go about it. The treasury was considering like, uh, they had some uni, but they had sold most of theirs. Uh, they were considering maybe get, taking a loan of that uni from compound. Like we were exploring different strategies. A lot of them were very capitally inefficient. Um, but like essentially we, I, I reached out to uh, GFX labs and, you know, they basically sponsored the proposal for us. And so they helped us there. So that's how we initially got in contact with them. And they basically do like a lot of the similar things we do. They're also delegates for optimism, also uh, hop as well, um, and compound I think too. So they kind of do similar things that we do. Um, and like we would like it wouldn't I wouldn't mind like bringing people like that onto ambassadors over time, or you know I anyone right? Like basically anybody that just doesn't that wants to contribute to synthetics, um, they, without having like to be like considered like thinking of themselves as like an ambassador or like a sh as an like shill, you know, just, you know, being able to get involved. Uh, maybe even like some of our CCs that want to, um, you know, take on a role that's in within the ambassadors. Uh, they might not like, you know, be fully aligned with the KPI mandate. They'd want to be involved. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, many delegates in the ecosystem, um, I could name like a bunch of them, but uh, you know there, there's a lot. Um, 
So basically, anyone who's already active in other governance um, would be it would be good. And then the other thing, there's one other uh, thing I didn't mention. Um, so there's one other element to this, and that is that um, this was a legal opinion that was given to me. Um, from a legal perspective, the KPI mandate really makes the DAO kind of seem uh, like a business, um, which it isn't, obviously. Uh, and the main issue is that like there's no way by which token holders really can hold us accountable to like these KPI mandates. So it's sort of like this pseudo um, accountability. That's it's not real accountability, um, and like since we don't actually like, you know, we don't vote on protocol upgrades. Like our like the the liability is just a little bit unnecessary, and so that is also kind of a hindrance to bringing people uh, on and getting them involved. So like, and this is basically my fault for like just you know being inexperienced, and I've made a sip that uh, you know probably doesn't really belong in governance. And I think you know to Kane's credit again, he. Did voice the you know, like he did mention the, like some things or something along these lines at the time when I first presented, but um, I you know I think he just wanted to let the DAO be autonomous and not like weigh in too too heavily. But um, yeah, to his credit, like he turned out it turned out like he was right on several fronts there. Um, but yeah, like we, you know our role is, I mean I, I see like you know it's bear market vibes and like a lot of people like you know. See, they have time on their hands, but like honestly, our role has become a lot more active in this time because other protocols now are like, you know, heads down building, and so like that means there's a lot of people reaching out, you know, a lot of potential integrations, um, you know, governance calls are now, you know, starting to become a lot more interesting for a lot of protocols. So like, you know, our, our work is is ramping up, and I just I want us to you know you know continue accelerating and you know be competitive as a, a DAO body. Um, especially for elections, like we want, I want to, you know, I want there to be like more Adam Cochran's, you know, running some of them for ambassador, you know, potentially. So yeah, that's basically it. All right, I'll judge by the silence that uh, you guys just want to look through the SIP, I guess, um, over time. And then uh, I'll make a thread about it. Um, but like I want to outline one more time, there's not a real change that would happen on any like sort of, so like on elections front, it would be the same thing. Um, it would be, you know, same with like the, the members of this count, of this uh, work group would be elected by token holders the same way. Um, so nothing from a governance perspective would change there. Uh, just you know, it's just a restructuring of of the basically like it's you know, um, and also one other thing like I, if if this SIP passes, I will be you know submitting a SIP later to deprecate the ambassador um, council based on the ambassador mandate. So that'd be essentially submitting a SIP to deprecate the ambassador mandate, um, the KPI based mandate, and then yeah, if this SIP passes, then the next election uh, there would be you know. The, the elected positions would be called the work independent work group and not the uh, the ambassador council. And, and so for the sake of the branding, we might just keep the ambassador branding for a while. But like you know, for 
all intents and purposes, it would just be the independent worker. Technically, based on our last conversation, you could um, submit this SIP and include within it reference to the deprecation of the KPI mandates. So I don't want to do that. I, I wouldn't want to do that because I want this to be like have its own precedent and not be um, like referencing that mandate at all. Um, so like, I, I, I that that would be you know I would make a separate SIP to you know deprecate the the ambassador mandate. I see. And I'm seeing in the chat people saying they like the ambassador name. And that's fair. I know we like it because we're ambassador community. We're SNXers. We're Snacksers. We're Spartans. We show the shit out of synthetics. But like from the outside looking in, if someone isn't like, a synthetic shield, like, you know, to them, it doesn't, um, you know, it, it doesn't register the same way, right? So, you know, you just got to think about traditional sense, like the name ambassador, what does it imply, right? There's two types, like in the traditional sense, you have the government ambassadors, right? Like that, it's a highly political, bureaucratic position. And then you have, um, you know, brand ambassadors, which are essentially like, you know, people who rep a brand all the time, right? And so it's basically like a show, like a paid show. Yeah. And Adam is saying, to be fair, he did think it was a show council first, right? And I don't blame him. That is basically the impression I get every time I pitch the ambassador council to um, anyone outside of synthetics. And like, I wouldn't be surprised, like I would be open to like eventually some CCs, like, you know, moving away from their CC position and being part of the work group, right? I don't, I don't think that's, I think that'd be, you know, pretty, pretty cool. Um, it's all part of, you know, ossifying synthetics, you know, like governance over time, right? So uh, this is a popular um, strategy a lot of, among a lot of DAOs, uh, namely like Yearn, they, you know, completely operate around this sort of a model of work groups. Um, so yeah, and they've done it like basically under, uh, like their structuring is very purposefully done that way. Um, and uh, like also the language I used in the SIP was very generalized on purpose so that it doesn't, um, you know, imply anything that's like similar to the old ambassador mandate. Um, but I did give examples of like stuff, like the type of activities that um, the independent work group would undertake. And if you notice, they're pretty much, you know, uh, overlap of the KPI mandate, but the only difference is they're not, it's not just limited to those. These are just examples of things that could be done. Um, so that's that's the main difference. Here. How are you going to defend yourself against Caleb with no KPIs to point to? Um, hopefully, like the actions speak louder than words, right? Hopefully, we have actions to uh, essentially, you know, we, you know, to back up the game. I think the SIP is like a really good improvement to what we have now. I really commend uh, Medion writing it up and uh, conceiving it. Really good job. Thank you, Caleb. Um, and like, I, one other thing I want to mention, like, personally, for like, I, I think a lot of people could contribute to synthetics in this way. Like, it opens the door to a lot of new people to get involved um, that maybe don't want to 
take on like really significant protocol upgrade roles. Um, like, you know, I purposely personally didn't ever run for sparring council because I know like I'm a little bit degen and maybe from risk parameter front, like I wouldn't be the best person to vote on these things, but I know there's ways I could contribute to synthetics. Um, you know, like I've, you know, I've had discussions with Caleb a long time where a lot of times where I disagree and most of the time he's probably right on, uh, anything risk related and I'm probably wrong. So that's why like, I know that that's the case. And I like, I, I purposely don't run for sparring council, um, to not like make these kind of changes that, you know, I know I might not be the best person to make. Um, but like, you know, there's a lot of ways to contribute and, you know, I just want to make sure that the door is open for, you know, a lot of everyone in the ecosystem to get involved. All right, I guess. Um... <laughs> I just saw Matt's comment. All right. Um, thank you very much for the presentation. I think it goes without saying uh, it's a really good addition. And um, if, if uh, there are no questions, we'll move, we'll move them to a vote unless you wanted to add something, Millie. No, that, that one was ready. I will incorporate Tara's um, suggestions for sure. 290. Um, and sure. Yeah, sure. Let me know and I'll set up the necessary. Okay, if there are no other questions or comments or discussions, I think we can call it a day. Thank you, everyone. And have a good day. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.